Hello everyone. I'm back with more videos. More questions. So today's question is on how to not react to praise and blame. In life people praise us, some people will praise us, sometimes we will be blamed. As people speak well of us, we will be spoken well of, we will be spoken poorly of. If you've, uh, if you've ever been on the internet, um, this should be familiar to you. When people say good things about you, you post something somewhere and someone likes it, makes you feel good. Someone just liked this video, you feel good when someone likes your things. Uh, they don't have dislikes on many sites, on the famous sites, but someone posts a nasty comment, says something bad about you, criticizes you. You get a lot of that on YouTube. You can feel pretty bad. But this is this is part of society. This is something we encounter throughout our lives. When you're at work, your boss praises you or blames you, your co-workers say bad things about you or good things about you. We want people to say we're beautiful, we're handsome, we're smart, we're wise. And yet people will say the opposite. They will say things like, you're ugly, you're dumb, you're, not, you're unwise. We become quite sensitive to these things. It's a part of life that uh, deserves a question of how to overcome. I think the the question is 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 well is well formed. I mean, uh, an ordinary question might be, how do we make it so that people only praise us? I don't think people, I don't think you hear people ask that so much, but. It's an unconscious sort of question that an ordinary person would ask to them, ask themselves. An ordinary a person who doesn't meditate, a person who's not interested in spirituality, might uh, spend much of their time trying to find ways to only be praised and never be blamed, like everything. This um, praise and blame are in the context of what we call the loka dhamma, the worldly dhammas, the vicissitudes of life. Praise and blame, uh, there's gain and loss, there's fame and whatever the opposite of fame is, um, uh, I don't think it's infamy, I think the opposite is, uh, and it's not fame, it's, it's high high social status and low social status. Right? So it's not just being famous, having a lot of people know about you. It's being high, high society, 
and low society. Like in high school, are you one of the popular kids or are you one of the, the uh, rejects? And the fourth one is happiness and suffering. So these four sets of realities, vicissitudes, they change. You, you can't really have one without the other. You can't have life without all eight of these. They take turns. And the Buddha said, Puttasalokadamehi Whoever's mind, when touched by these vicissitudes of life, is unshaken. Asokang, virajang, kemang. Not sorrowing, not sorrowful. Uh, not uh, disturbed or corrupted by them. Corrupted by them. Uh, uh, safe, kemang. Etamangalamutamang, this is the greatest blessing. It's a description of enlightenment in a way. When a person is not moved by the vicissitudes of life. So, the first thing to note when you're dealing with these uh, qualities is the gaining of a, of a wisdom about them that you can't have one without the other that, uh, well, starting with uh, gain and loss. You can't always gain, you will not always be getting what you want. You can't always get what you want, but gain and loss are a part of life. So we can't, we can't, uh, we can't guarantee that we're always going to have the things that we want, that we're always going to uh, gain, and that the things that we own will never leave us. Theft and manipulation and uh, disaster can come. Natural disasters can wipe out people's livelihood in a day. Uh, sickness can often lead to great loss. And we can, of course, lose our loved ones when they pass away or when they leave us or when they change. And, and as with the others, uh, high society, low society, if you've ever been in high school, you know how that goes. You'll be part of the high society. You'll be a popular kid one day and then suddenly you're unpopular or ostracized very easy for that to happen and that goes with the rest of life uh, as you go through university and get a job out into the world uh, being high society being low society very easy to become uh, looked down upon Reputation, it's a very fickle sort of thing. Uh, and, and praise and blame, right? We love to be praised, but as I said, in life you have both. Uh, and 
happiness and suffering. So the we have to see, and this is sort of the basis of Buddhism, is to see that uh, chasing the four good ones and running from the four bad ones is never going to be sustainable. That that way of living that's been taught to us by society, by uh, culture, even often by, um, well, by religion even, is not sustainable. It's not. It's not skillful. It's not not possible. It's not a good thing. And you'll notice that you gain this sort of wisdom throughout your life. You'll you'll uh, encounter the four negative ones, and in in ways that you're unable to or unprepared to to uh, overcome or to free yourself from and you begin to realize that suffering is not just something you can escape, it's a part of life. Uh, this is something that you, you can, many people gain as they go through life. Those people who have dealt with suffering often become wise in a sense. That you can't always get what you want, you can't always be in possession of the good ones. So really the first answer um, is to gain some some understanding and, and even some experience of this. Uh, and, and so listening to teachings is the first way, um, pondering it, considering it yourself, and, and then gaining experience about that uh, in your life. Uh, this is the, sort of the, the way that we all deal with these things. We begin to ask these questions about um, not how can I get all, get the ones that I want, but how can I free myself from the need for these things. My greed for gains and, and possessions, my lust after uh, position and power and influence, uh, my craving for praise, my craving for happiness, for pleasure. And uh, so this is a, a very good sort of reason for people to come to practice meditation. Because when they start to see these things, when this starts to be a part of their outlook, their worldview, instead of trying to get what you want to try and stop wanting, uh, then you begin to undertake to practice meditation. So. Two things that I want to say today. Well, the first one was this idea that that there are both sides. Talk about the loka dhammas that there are eight of them, and you can't always have the four good ones. So, an answer to how to not be uh, not be caught up in in praise and blame, not react to them, is uh, to understand these eight. Understand and and have them as a frame of reference, sort of as a worldview, right? An understanding of how the world works. The second thing was um, the three different kinds of understanding. So I, I mentioned them, but, but to, um, to explicitly state the three ways that we learn this, that we learn about the vicissitudes of life and, and about everything, really, 
is one through through hearing. So when you gain this intellectual knowledge about these, this idea of changing the way we look at things from trying to always get the good things to um, giving up our, our need for the good things and our partiality for certain things. Uh, the second way is through thinking about it. When you consider the things you have heard and you ponder them over. And the third is, is through experience. Because this third one, um, I, th I think even without referencing meditation, you can see how it's the most powerful. When you, as I said, experience this reality that suffering is a part of life, something you cannot avoid. It's quite powerful. But that's really the essence of what meditation is. So when you ask, how do you stop reacting uh, to praise and blame. You know, when people praise me, I feel really good. When people blame me, I feel really, really bad. Um, meditation and or mindfulness is about gaining experience and 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 an understanding of the reality uh, behind the behind praise and blame and behind our attachment to praise and blame. Because the only reason why you wouldn't want to be attached to praise is because you sometimes don't get it. Right? Is is because no is because being attached to praise leads to suffering. To put it uh, specific or precisely, uh, and and that being the case, when you look, when when you're observant, when you're mindful, when you're present during the experience. Um, you'll start to see that. You'll start to see how attachment to praise leads to suffering. More clearly, uh, you'll see that praise itself is meaningless. It's an experience. It's, a, it's an experience of hearing or, or however you receive it and processing in the mind. And then the arising of probably some chemical uh, reaction in the brain that leads to some pleasure because that's how you, your brain associates it. There's some, there's some kind of association with a positive state. And uh, so when you break it down like that, uh, you see that the praise isn't worth getting. The pleasure isn't uh, of any value either. I mean, there's no benefit that comes from being happy about something. And more importantly, see that's that's all there is. And this is the last thing I wanted to talk about was that all of all eight of the lokadhammas, uh, gain, loss, high society, low society, praise, blame, happiness, suffering, all depend for their power on the existence of concepts. And, and most especially self, right? Whose gain is it? Mine. Whose loss is it? Mine. Who's got high society? Me. Who's low society? Me. Who are they praising? Me. Who are they blaming? Me. Uh, who's happy? Me. Who suffers? Me. Me, 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 mine, mine, mine. And that doesn't exist in, in, well, in reality. But it's not observed during meditation, is the most important thing, is when you're during mindfulness. 
So when you say to yourself, um, say happy, happier, when you say pain, pain, or when you like any of these things, and you say liking, liking, as you start to dwell, even when you're just sitting and you say sitting, sitting, or um, watching the rising, falling in the stomach, or any of these things, you're dwelling in a reality that is void of concepts, void of self. There's no there's no reference by which you would say, that's me, that's mine, that's I. Uh, and so all eight of these disappear. Praise and blame, the only way to be free from them is to really not have um, a concept of self. Because this con... well... Um, well, the concept of self is that which leads to conceit, to believing you deserve praise or you you deserve blame or... Um, being rea reacting to praise and blame. If there's no self, you can't react to praise or blame. Right? You, you're, you won't have a sense of... Uh, if someone says you're fat, well, suppose you're fat and someone says you're fat, you would look down and say, that's a correct observation, right? Why do you say... why do you get upset when someone calls you that? There's a... you have an attachment to yourself, to a self, right? person is calling me this, this person, if you're, if you're, uh, if you're, you're, like someone calls you a buffalo, and you're not a buffalo, and you would say, that is an incorrect statement. This person called me a buffalo, and I'm not a buffalo. Uh, and, and so I think that is, it's not a solution, but it's an important point to keep in mind when you're looking for a solution. You want to be free from your attachment and the suffering that comes from the attachment to these things, you have to let go of self, you have to let go of the concept of I, which really only comes from gaining a new perspective on reality uh, that's free from that, that reality which is based on real things like seeing, hearing, smelling, tasting, feeling, thinking, experience. And uh, so, I guess one more thing is that when you say, uh, how, how can I not react? We have to, and, and, and this goes with all sorts of questions like this, how can I free myself from this or that? It was the same with the anxiety depression one, is you can't turn these things off. It's an important part of this. So when we talk about freeing yourself from, from the idea of self, <laughs> Uh, you know, letting go of any conception of self. It's something that comes through training. When we talk about seeing that the things you cling to are not worth clinging to, uh, we talk about seeing that clinging to them leads to suffering and so on. All of this has to come through practice um, because reacting to praise and blame or anything is, is habitual. It's a habit that you develop. And it's caught up in many kinds of many many other many habits, including the habitual conception of self, reaffirming the self, reifying the self. Um, and, and so, the only way to be free from it is through cultivating new habits, and that's what meditation is all about. It's it's about changing the direction of the mind, the inclination of the mind, instead of inclining the mind to react. Inclining the mind to observe, to experience, to be aware. Uh, over time, that 
practice leads to new habits of objectivity, of uh, dispassion, when you no longer get excited when someone calls you fat or ugly or stupid or, or this or that, or when someone praises you and said, good job, way to go, you're so smart, you're so beautiful, you're so wise. Uh, you let go of these things. You become dispassionate about them. Uh, content. Content with with reality, not depending on externalities. That's such a horrible thing, right, to depend on other people's opinions of you, but this is what we do. And it, you can't just turn it off. We hate it. I hate that this person can say this bad thing about me and make me feel bad, but we can't just turn it off. You can train yourself out of it. And you train in, in mindfulness, it changes the uh, the nature of the mind to be less reactionary and more uh, aware, more present. It's just it's it's quite simple. It's not magic. There's no magic pill. Uh, but you change your habits. You change the way you look at things. Change your even your whole framework from one of selves and me and mine to one of experiences. And as soon as you start to, as soon as you're able, once you're able to look at the world from perspective of experience and there's no self there's no concept of me and mine and so on so there you go that's the video for tonight